Hi, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers, and this episode is part of our special series focused on diversity and inclusion. In this series, I will be talking with leaders in the payments industry and maybe some experts from outside of the industry about diversity and inclusion. It has been proven that a diverse workforce and diverse management team leads to increased creativity, better decision-making, reduced employee turnover, and increased profit, as well as many other benefits that we will be talking about. This special series is brought to you by WNET and PaySafe. WNET, or Women's Network in Electronic Transactions, is celebrating 15 years of helping women achieve greater personal success, influence, and professional parity in the payments and fintech industries. WNET is a not-for-profit organization with a mission of creating a stronger and more diverse industry by empowering and investing in women. Learn how at WNETonline.org. PaySafe is a leading global specialized payment provider. They've been driving innovation in and around payments for over 20 years all over the globe for both businesses and consumers. PaySafe believes diversity and inclusion is not just a checkbox, but rather a journey in which they are fully committed to being on around the world. Learn more at www.paysafe.com. I'm honored to be joined on this, the 12th episode... I'm honored to be joined on this, the 12th episode of our special series on DNI by Garima Shah, the president of Biller Genie. As Biller Genie president, Garima Shah can usually be found and heard reviewing company financials, finding strategic business opportunities, managing the Biller Genie team, and serving as a volunteer dancer for the team's social media videos. More competitive than Conor McGregor, as a child, Garima would do anything it took to win at Monopoly, and still does, which pushed her to pursue an MBA in the competitive fields of entrepreneurship and finance. Garima learned early on that she enjoyed helping and leading others, which led her to serve in key positions in the fintech industry, such as head of sales for eMerchant Pay, and Chief Business Development Officer at Direct Connect. She has cultivated long relationships throughout her 17 years in the payments industry. Garima reunited with friend and Biller Genie CEO, Thomas Aronica, and the Dream Team was formed. In her spare time, Garima creates TikTok videos with her daughters and casually wins Bollywood dance competitions. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Garima. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast about diversity and inclusion. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on the show. Yeah. And to you longtime listeners, Garima was on back in, believe it or not, February 25th of last year. Hard to believe it's been that long. I went back and listened to the episode and we didn't say a word about pandemic or COVID. Can you believe that? (laughs) Wow, how much the world has changed in a year. I know. Well, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. I kind of grew up everywhere. I was born in England, but have lived kind of all over the States, but majoritarily in Florida. And I went to college up in Boston. It was a little cold. So once I graduated, I moved back to Florida and have been here ever since, everywhere from Miami to West Palm. And now I live in Orlando and it's nice and sunny and wonderful all the time, which I love. And I 
have been in payments almost ever since college, right? So I've been in payments for almost 17, 18 years in different roles and always ever-changing and expanding with it. Absolutely. So tell the audience a little bit about Biller Genie and your specific role there. Sure. So Biller Genie is a software solution. We are a accounts receivable automation software, which is a whole lot of ways to just say that we get you paid faster. We handle everything from connecting to the accounting software. So for all the payments people out there, we can connect your merchant services account to any of the accounting softwares out there to make sure that everything from sending out invoices to collections and then reconciliation of the accounting software happen for your merchants seamlessly. And it saves them a whole bunch of time, money, and energy. Okay. And your role there today? I'm the president here at Billergenie. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about your background prior to Billergenie? Sure. So I've been in payments for a long time and I started off by running a small ISO. And then I've done everything from managing sales channels, a lot of work in the MA space. And I was really interested in software and fintech. And that's really what brought me to Biller Genie. A lot of times what we're doing in payments ends up being a little commoditized and really finding that value for business owners and making sure that you're helping them with their bottom line so that they don't look at payments as just another commodity in their business is so important. And that's what we do here at Biller Genie is we add value to that payments ecosystem so that everybody out there who's selling payments can now help their merchants with so much more value and they're not going to be as price sensitive and a little bit more uh, sticky. Okay, great. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the topic at hand. Can you describe how you would define diversity and inclusion at the 50,000-foot level? Sure. So I think that this is a tough question, even though it seems kind of innocuous. How to describe diversity and inclusion? Because it's easy to say, well, diversity is inclusion is everybody just being equal and acting the same and not treating people differently based upon gender or age or backgrounds. And making sure that everybody has a vote and a seat at the table. And that all sounds very simple when we talk about it in those terms. But I think that when you get into the nuts and bolts of what diversity and inclusion really means, it's how do we ensure that everybody in an organization is given the bright amount of credence for their role, regardless of any background that they may have. And also in the hiring and recruiting process, how do we ensure that we take out any prejudgments or bias out of our minds and really hire the right person for the role based upon their skill set, aptitude, and ability? That's a great definition, great way to look at it. Let's talk a little bit about company culture. So what kind of culture are you building at Biller Genie? I like to say we want to build a culture that's fun and super crazy all at the same time. So really fun and exciting and fast moving, but at the same time, we are a culture of people who are all going towards the same goal, working really, really hard, extremely passionate, but really enjoying the ride while we're on it. So that's the culture that we're building. We've actually did a lot of work in the past year during the pandemic and all that, really defining our culture and how to make those values and that culture actionable because it's easy to say, oh, well, we're going to be honest and that's one of our core values. But when we looked at our company culture, we found that there were certain things that defined us that might be a little bit different than other companies. And those are actionable items. So like, for example, one of them is 
catch up because we do move extremely fast and that's one of our core values. And so it's easy for us to say to someone, hey, catch up, like this is what we're expecting to be done and we expect it to be done quickly and we expect to move quickly through everything that we do and efficiently. So, hey, catch up. Another one we have is like class shines. So we value things like how you speak, how you articulate, how you send an email, how polite you are. Those are very important things to us as an organization. So that's the type of culture we're building here at Builder Genie. Awesome. So how does diversity and inclusion intersect with company culture? This year has been awesome for this because we started doing a lot more remote hiring and training. And that was really different because, you know, we're used to hiring someone in one location and training them there and that's it. And you're seeing the person and, you know, there's, it's just different. Now we started utilizing our values and culture to find the best person for the role. And like I said, regardless of where they're located, regardless of background, regardless of anything else, the best person for the role. And that's really helped us from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. We've hired people nationwide now, which is really cool. And we've also learned how to train remotely. But I think that that has helped us be more diverse and be more inclusive because we've been looking for very specific attributes and candidates as opposed to, okay, well, they live close and they seem to act and feel like we do. So that must be a good fit. We've even implemented tools like Culture Index, which is a way that we can predictively analyze someone's behavior prior to ever even meeting them or speaking to them, which definitely promotes diversity and inclusion because we don't even know much about that person when they're taking that first test. And we're looking at their results from an objective manner. And that's how we're making the decisions based for who should be in the company. Hmm, That's interesting. Well, as a female executive in the payment space, do you feel like that helps you to have a platform to help move diversity and inclusion forward in our industry? Absolutely. I mean, payments has historically been a (laughs) non-inclusive industry, right? I mean, I know when I first started in payments, the first year I went to Money 2020, I want to say it was 2009, but I might have that date wrong. They said something like less than 4% of the attendees were women out of some 10,000. And that was just shocking to me. And so absolutely, I think as a female executive in payments, it is my duty to push diversity and inclusion forward for all, and not just a female, a female minority. I think it's extremely important. It's my duty to push that forward in payments and in our industry overall. Okay. And for a lot of people, there's a single point in time or maybe a tipping point, if you will, where you knew you had to make diversity and inclusion a priority. I mean, for me, it was really sort of what was going on in our country. And I had this platform where I was talking to basically C-level executives. So I felt responsible to do something to kind of generate awareness, if nothing else, to generate awareness about the topic in our industry. So just curious if you had a similar sort of tipping point or a specific single point in time. Yeah, actually for me, Money 2020 was definitely one of those eye-opening experiences. But for me, where I really thought it was important, especially for females in our industry, was a uh, board meeting many, many years ago. I was a young mother. I think my first daughter was just a couple months old. And someone made a comment about how I was the only woman in the room and someone made a comment about how 
it was so great that I was able to travel so much, but oh my gosh, my poor child who was home without their mom and how sad that was that I was leaving them to work. And I was shocked by that comment because I looked around the room and I said, well, hold on, there's a whole bunch of young fathers here too, and nobody's worried about their children. And I think that I'm setting an example for my daughter that you can work and you can do all of these things and not just, you can do anything you want. And I think that that's important and that's an important example. And how come nobody's saying it to any of the men in the room? How come it's just the woman? And I've seen that happen often where women are slighted for roles because, oh, well, what if they leave because they have a child or because they, you know, oh my gosh, they're going to have to go to their kid's pageant or Christmas parade. And what I found, and I was actually talked about this on one of my Gabbeth Green episodes, is what I found is that women have become less likely to speak about their personal life because they are afraid of being slighted for a role. So often their male counterparts will say things like, hey, I need to leave early because I need to go to my kid's ball game or this pageant or their preschool event. And a woman in the same position is more likely to say something like, I have to make it to a doctor's appointment or I have to go someplace else or skip their child's event because they don't want to be slighted and they don't want to be seen as just a mom. And I think that that's hard and awful. And so that to me was my tipping point of just, we need to do something. And we have so many great organizations like WNET and Women in Payments and things like that, that are bringing these issues to light that you can have it all and you can be a working mother and you can still be an executive in a company and you can still get a lot done. And I think that that's really important. And that was my tipping point where I knew I needed to get more involved. Okay. Do you think we've gotten better in that aspect? I do. I absolutely do. I mean, especially if I look at my career back in 2009 versus today in 2021, I see so many more women. I see so many younger people. I see so many more minorities. I see it changing a lot in our industry. I mean, even at the trade shows, what was once a very specific homogenized population has changed quite a bit. And I think that that's very encouraging. But I think that there's still work to be done for a lot of different segments of the population. Right. On the show, in this series, I think this is the 12th or so episode in the special series. I've had on several larger companies and, you know, they have a lot of resources. They have formal diversity and inclusion programs. They have ERGs, but not every company can do that. They're either not big enough or they just haven't made it a priority yet. So. Just curious your opinion. So smaller companies that might lack those resources, what advice would you give them to have these kinds of programs or even to build it into the culture like you have? Yeah, I mean, like, look, Bill or Ginny, we're a small company and we don't have the resources and or the staff overall to have a program like that. But I think that the way to really build it into the culture is to analyze who and what you want and what you stand for in terms of diversity and or inclusion and both within your organization. And knowing what those core values are as a company that may or may not have anything to do with diversity inclusion or inclusion will automatically make you more inclusive (laughs) because you are looking at those values as a whole and you're saying, okay, I'm looking for and I'm promoting these things and it has nothing to do with someone's background. 
And I think that, that that makes a big difference. And I also think that there's so many other programs out there. Like I mentioned, I mean, for women, there's Women in Payments and WNET, and they're great resources. And there's so many other resources that we have in our industry that can help. And so I think also encouraging employees to be part of various programs where they can actually grow and get better and learn about these things and how to be more diverse and inclusive, I think makes a big difference. So if you had a younger employee starting and they wanted to make a difference in the organization about this topic, what would your advice be to them? I think it would be first, why are they looking to make a change? Like, what is the change they're looking to make and why are they looking to make it? I think often it's used as a buzzword, like, oh, we want to be diverse and oh, we want to be inclusive and we just are. I think that that can be an issue in itself because it's too generic. I think looking at the organization that you're in and saying, okay, what specifically do I not like? Where specifically are we not diverse enough? Who are we not including and why are we not including those people? And asking those questions first of the leadership team of that organization, I mean, those are tough questions. And bringing those to light and asking those questions, sometimes just that awareness will make a big difference because maybe the leadership team didn't even realize that it was happening. Or maybe they did and maybe it's not the right place for you. But I think starting with the specificity of what is the change that you're trying to make and asking the questions as to why that existed in the first place. I agree. What do you think? It's one of those things we talk about, and I just sort of would like your thoughts on it. You know, we talk about diversity and inclusion. You hear CEOs, business leaders talk about it. You sort of hear about, hey, we need to remove bias in the hiring process. I mean, it seems like we just talk about those things. Like, where does the real action happen? I mean, how do we know we're moving forward? I mean, a company like yours, how do you step back and say, hey, are we doing the right thing? Is there measurement? Is there some kind of analysis? Like, how do you know what your strategy is, is the right thing and that it's working? So I think it always needs to be tweaked, no matter what. I think, but looking at the population of the organization and saying, do we have too many people or a large group of people? Is there a majority that's from one specific background? What is the ratio? What is the gender ratio? What is the age ratio? What is the minority ratio? I mean, overall, and are we really representing all opinions and backgrounds and culture that we need to be? And like I said, I mean, for us, having that blind testing that happens before we even know or meet a candidate has really helped us with this because it narrows the pool to the best candidate for the job and nobody even knows what their names are or where they come from prior to them doing that. And so we're just looking at numbers and saying, oh, well, those six people seem like they're a 90% match or higher. Those are the ones that we should be meeting with. And I think that that's really helped a lot. Okay. Are you using like an outside company to do that? Yeah, we're using a company called Culture Index to do that, actually. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And how did you find them just out of curiosity? Because I think a lot of people could could learn from that. Yeah, no, we actually implemented. So during the pandemic, one of the things that Bill or Jeannie did was how do we shift? How do we do different things during the pandemic. All the trade shows are canceled. We're a startup. We can't meet our clients. What are we supposed to do? And so we really looked internal and decided that we needed to focus on ourselves and our process, procedures, policies, our systems, software, all of those types of things. And in doing so, one of the things that we really decided we needed to make better 
was how do we give development resources and training to all of our employees, starting with the leadership team, but then all the way through. So we implemented a system called EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's a way to lead and it's a way to manage and hold Leverity accountable from a very objective, not subjective manner. So there's measurables for each person. There are goals and quarterly rocks and things like that that are set. There's check-ins, there's specific ways to run meetings. And as part of that, we also added culture index, which was the way to ensure that each employee was in the right position for their skill set and for their personality. And also as we're recruiting, that we're finding the right person for the role who really is going to enjoy it and want to be there long term. So those are a few systems that we've utilized and they've made a huge difference for us here at Billagini. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you've been very prescriptive in this, right? Where you're just not kind of letting it happen or kind of just using the buzzwords. You guys have really set out to make diversity and inclusion part of the culture and you've been very prescriptive about how you went about it. Yes, absolutely. And for us, it was about everything. It, it was about finding the best and being the best and realizing that in order to do that, we need to have every voice. We need to have every opinion and not being diverse or not being inclusive isn't going to get us anywhere quickly. Right. Well, let's step back and look at the industry as a whole. And you've talked about it a few times, but sort of how would you say we're doing as an industry on this topic? I don't know if if you want to give like an A, B or C kind of grade level or a one to 10, but some metric of how you think the industry is doing. I think it's hard to say. I think I can't give an answer for the past year, at least, because I don't think we've seen other companies and how they're operating as well as we used to. But prior to that, I would say that we're probably at a C. About 10 years ago, it would have definitely given us an F. I think we've moved into a C where there are more programs. It's becoming more diverse. And especially with more software and ISVs and those kinds of things entering into the payment space, it's becoming more diverse. The culture around those types of companies is very different than the payment space. And so payments companies acquiring or merging with or working with software companies and various ISVs has definitely made this better. Well, this has been great. We've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss or leave with our audience? No, I know. I just want to say thank you so much for you know discussing this and bringing this topic to light. I think it's so important and it's really great to have this forum. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all of your insights on this important topic. And again, thank you for your time today. That was Garima Shaw, the president of Biller Genie, in our 12th episode of our special series on diversity and inclusion.